Welcome to Locked On Kentucky, your daily Kentucky podcast on the Locked On Podcast Network. I'm Curtis Birch, host and producer on News Radio 630, WLAP, the home of the Cats. And I'm Kyle Tucker of The Athletic, and together Curtis and I are here every day, Monday through Friday, talking the Cats. If it's a big deal to the Big Blue Nation, you can hear it right here on the Locked On Podcast Network. This edition of the show is brought to you by Birch Sheet Metal. We'll tell you a little bit more about them in just a bit. There is going to be a big-time football commitment. Um, and potentially he will go to Kentucky over some huge name brands. Uh, we also got to talk a little NBA combine, possible disgruntled parents, and uh, Memphis. Uh, but Kyle, let's start this this out, uh, and we'll talk about this more in depth after the decision is made. But big guy out of Michigan, I, I set this up when I was hosting another show on the radio. There is a top 10 player. Uh, uh, the number one ranked guard in the country, and he's down to Kentucky and five other schools. No, I'm not talking about a John Calipari recruit. I'm talking about a Mark Stoops recruit. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's uh, this would be the first, well, not the first time, but certainly the most dramatic example of Stoops actually getting a Calipari-level recruit in football. I guess Landon Young counts. He was a, a five-star guy. They've had some other U.S. Army guys that were four high four-stars. Most of those, many of those were in-state guys. But, th- you know, that's the difference here is, one, this is a, a Michigan kid, mm-hmm. um, and there's two powerhouse programs right there in the state. And, two, you know, he's not just a five-star or just a All-American. He is a elite player, top ten overall in the class and number one uh at his position on the offensive line nationally that's a sort of a different caliber dude for the football program um and so it's an opportunity for them to send a huge message that you know they're they're not sort of standing pat or or uh resting on the laurels of the the progress they've made in the season they had but they're trying to take it up even another level and you know the only way to do it the only way to do more than they've done is get even better players because i mean you you know conceivably historically you would say basically they hit the ceiling of kentucky football for what it has been last season well with a 10 with a 10 win season and, and a win over penn state in a new year's day bowl like that I think most people would have considered that the ceiling. If you're going to go any higher than that, you've got to get you've got to start getting better players and they've there are they've been getting really good players. Stoops has recruited better than anybody in the modern era at Kentucky. But there's a whole nother tier of guys that the rest of the SEC gets their share of and this would be this would be someone in that tier. Yeah, and in all honesty, <laughs> I think some people might have thought that that wasn't even a ceiling. That wasn't even a possibility for Kentucky football, really, to be in that kind of bowl game and have a, a double-digit win season. I mean, we rambled off the statistics uh, so many times for you guys. You know, first 10-win seasons in, since the 80s, right? I mean, just utterly ridiculous what they were able to do. Uh, but, you know, Justin Rogers would be a, just a continuation, if they can potentially get him, and... If you look at the crystal ball or predictions that um, the recruiting services do, 
Kentucky has the most votes. I think it's 50% in one and 40 48% in the rivals, uh, 50% in the 247. So they lead in both of those kind of prediction models. They're going up against Michigan. That's where he's from. And then a bunch of SEC schools, including, including Georgia, uh, Tennessee, Alabama, and I'm forgetting the uh, the last one. But it's obviously a kid from Michigan who probably wants to play in the SEC. And geographically, Kentucky is the closest. And they also have another big advantage. His former teammate, Marquan McCall, is already on campus. Uh, he was a freshman last year. He was that giant bowling ball-looking dude. I don't was I don't know if it was on this podcast or or where, but I think I'd once described him as an, the most athletic bowling ball you have ever seen. <laughs> I don't uh, think it was here. I, I talked I discussed that somewhere, uh, but that's how that's what's what he looks like, and I mean I mean it as a complete positive. Like so, there you go. Uh, so we'll talk about that more um, tomorrow. Uh, tell you what, Kyle, uh, let's start right now and kind of talk about the piece that you had that. Um, I mean, have you had words with the uh, UK Twitter account? They're taking your premium content and basically copying and pasting and putting a graphic up on their Twitter account. <laughs> no, I knew they were going to do that, and I was I was fine with it. Uh, they waited a few days to do it, and it's good. Uh, it's I think ultimately probably good PR for the for the story and for the site. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, and then Cal Perry tweeted about reading reading what, about. Uh, Paul, what Paul Washington said. So um, I'm sure they're thrilled about it because I mean, it, you know, I would put it on a recruiting poster <laughs> if I was Kentucky. Um, it's a, a new series that I'm going to do, try to kind of fill some of this downtime in the off season called the exit interview, where I'm talking to the parents of guys who are leaving Kentucky, uh, just kind of basically like a, like an exit interview. Like if you were leaving a job and they, HR department wanted to, you know, do a, an exit interview with you to see, you know, were you satisfied with your time here? What could we have done better? Yada, yada, yada. Um, it's kind of in that spirit and, um, it's pretty informative. And PJ Washington's dad is a super, super thoughtful guy. Um, you know, who, who you can tell by reading it has learned and grown a lot, you know, even as a, as a pretty reasonable parent. Um, there were things he had to learn over two years of his son being at Kentucky. And I, I thought it was just really interesting. You know, I, I asked, you know, what's the biggest thing you got out of his, your son got out of Kentucky? Was, was there anything that was easier than you thought and anything that was harder than you expected? Uh, what's something that you would change to make the program better? Um, how would you describe John Calipari? Who besides Cal was the greatest influence on your son at Kentucky? Um, and and what would and then the one I think that probably people most uh, commented on, reacted to, and uh, connected to, and Kentucky's probably happiest about is you know what would your advice be? Uh, what would your advice be to other parents who are considering whose kids are considering coming to Kentucky? So, um, and I thought he was really good and thoughtful on all those things. Um, I think the one that jumped out to me. Uh, was or one of the ones that jumped out to me was did anything surprise you and he said basically it surprised him how detail-oriented they were with every kid that he didn't think it was possible at Kentucky with all these five-star kids on the roster that they would be able to spend the individual time that they do with each of them developing each of them on the things they need to get to the next level figuring out what each of them you know how to push each other their buttons and doing that 
uh, he said that really surprised and impressed him. And so there's a bunch of stuff like that where, I mean, if you're, if you're John Calipari reading it and going into homes trying to recruit top level guys, I'd, I mean, I'd, I'm a little biased, but I'd print it off, <laughs> print it off and hand it to him because it was, you know, uh, I asked pretty open ended questions where he could be as, as, positive or negative as he wanted to be. And, I, you know, most of these guys aren't going to just slam Kentucky on the way out the door. But he was pretty effusive in his praise for for PJ's time at Kentucky. Yeah, and, you know, uh, Paul's awesome. Like, I think he's <laughs> he was always fun to talk to, and I got a ch- couple chances to interact with him. And his perspective was was really great because, in theory – him as a former high school basketball coach and a former collegiate player, he probably has, you know, more of actual reason to kind of coach up his son on the court and be questioning things that other coaches does or do. Uh, but for him to be to give the advice and basically to lay back, uh, I think probably made it more powerful than almost any other you know parent you could you could kind of have because you know he's had the experience on the court and on the bench, um, and he's basically saying. I'm a basketball guy, and I trust these guys, and that's that's really, really, that's about as high a praise as you can give a coaching staff. Yeah, I mean, in theory, he'd be the one you'd worry about the most, you know, as a college coach that would be there trying to interfere and second guess you and all that stuff. And he's the guy, really, from day one, who said, uh, you know, I'm getting out of the way; those guys know better than me. You know, and that's to be a high level high school coach guy who played college basketball and, and just to have the self-awareness that even as much as you know about the game that you, you recognize that these guys know more and, and that they've like specifically, they've done this thing. You know, you, there's a reason you sent him to Kentucky because you wanted a place that has a plan for guys like your son mm-hmm. and, and just knowing, knowing that and trusting that is probably a hard thing to do. And, and I was impressed, you know, that that was his approach to it. Uh, coming up next, we're going to talk, and I hate to like tease it this way, but kind of maybe a parent who isn't as high on Kentucky as Paul Washington was, but I think to a certain extent some of these comments have been blown up a little bit more than they need to. But before that, got to tell you about Birch Sheet Metal. If you need metal roofing or siding for a residential or agricultural project, go direct to where it's made. That's Birch Sheet Metal. They've got classic rib panels cut to order with a 40-year warranty in 15 colors, plus Galvalume and economy grade with all the trim and accessories to match. You can give them a call at 859-485-1928 or check out BirchSheetMetal.com. That's B-U-R-C-H SheetMetal.com. They've also got bubble insulation, permafelt, sliding door tracks, and aluminum frame rails. Birch Sheet Metal is located in Walton, Kentucky. Give them a call, 859-485-1928, or check out BirchSheetMetal.com. Don't pay lumberyard prices for metal. Go direct to where it's made. You are Locked On Kentucky, your daily Kentucky Wildcats podcast. What is Reed's father's name? I've lost his name. Nate. Nate. Nate Travis. That's a solid name. Um, He was quoted in a Lexington Herald-Leader article by Jerry Tipton. And basically, when I read all the comments, Kyle, on social media, because I obviously saw them before I saw the article, because I... You know, I I don't know. I just missed it first, uh, but I thought these the, I thought this quote was going to be a lot worse than it was. I mean, the reaction made it seem like Nate Travis basically kind of threw the coaching staff under the bus, and I didn't exactly read that this read this that way. No, I mean, I, you know, I I didn't 
find it to be super controversial or super negative. I mean, I think there's obviously some disappointment, you know, but that may just be uh, unrealistic expectations (laughs) because Reed Travis wasn't an NBA draft pick last year and he's not an NBA draft pick now. I mean, he, you know, if he thought that it was an automatic thing that going to Kentucky was going to make him a, a draft pick, um, you know, I don't know. There have been, there've been several guys that have not gotten drafted out of Kentucky and they were even more coveted recruits than him coming out of high school. Um, he, you know, he's been, a, he's been limited all along. He's not a great athlete. Um, he's not that big for his position in the NBA. He has a six foot eight power forward slash center. Uh, he only shoots the three, you know, okay, not great. He's not somebody you really want out there shooting threes. Um, and so he doesn't necessarily fit where the NBA is going for its big guys. Um, now, did he probably better his pro career options nonetheless? I mean, probably. He's probably going to sign a really nice fairly lucrative overseas deal uh, somewhere. But the other piece of it is he'd never been to the NCAA tournament. And he became, you know, he came a a whisper away from going to the Final Four in the last year of his college experience. You know, he got to be a Kentucky basketball player, which is a lot different than being a Stanford basketball player, sort of the the lifestyle that affords you. Uh, And he went – Almost to the final four, he went to the Elite Eight, an overtime loss in the Elite Eight for a guy who'd never played in the NCAA tournament. So, you know, I think I think Reed Travis got quite a bit out of the experience, and he's certainly not any worse off as a draft prospect today than he was when he came to Kentucky. Yeah. May not be any better off, but uh, he's still going to make money uh, as a basketball player if he wants to. Yeah, the quotes are, uh, there were two uh, that kind of grabbed people, and Nate Travis said, We felt if he played at Kentucky, he'd have some certainty coming off this season. As a father, I'm a little concerned with that. I thought he'd have a little more of an understanding of where he'd fall in the draft. Um, And then he also talked about how his role, uh, he said that maybe his abilities got somehow shifted a little bit for the sake of helping younger players develop and understand the process. He kind of took that role and kind of got away from what he wanted to do when he came there. Uh, basically, you know, the things that he wanted to show to a certain extent were jump shooting and playmaking with the ball. And, I mean, uh, he was shooting it well at the start of the season but fell off late. And I don't think those were ever, either of those were ever going to be, you know, the, the best part of Reed Travis's game, Kyle. So... I, I don't know how much improvement, you know, really could have been expected for a guy who had already, you know, played so much basketball. Yeah, I mean, you, you know, he's in his fifth year of college basketball. Um, how much how much is this game really going to change? I mean, he, he got in the best shape, I think, he's been in. He talked about all the weight he lost. Um, you know, he showed off a few things, but um, I don't know. I, I'm, I'd be curious, I'm, uh, hopefully – uh, this experience hasn't scared his father off because uh, obviously I told you I'm doing this exit interview uh, thing and I'd like to do one with Nate. Um, but, 
either that that either will go one of two ways. He either won't want to talk now because of backlash from this, or he'll want to set the record straight, and that'll be, uh, you know, he may be a, a little more elaborate in his uh, thoughts about what what was good and what was bad about his son's experience here. Well, you know, uh, the the bright side about all of it is that if he, if he doesn't want to talk to you, because you know, Kyle, I get it. Sometimes I don't want to talk to you. Oh, and he is worried about, you know, wanting to get the record straight. He's got his other son, uh, Jonah, right, who is now a, a tech genius and can probably just manipulate SEO so that article never comes up again on anybody searching. <laughs> yeah, he's actually, I think he actually does know how to do that. His, uh, Reed's brother is a very uh, smart guy, as is Reed, Harvard grad. Yep, that's a, uh, dang. <laughs> Can you imagine the discussions at like uh, holiday dinners? <laughs> Probably really well more high minded than uh, what we talk about. Uh, you know, how about that game? Now they're like, you know, what do you think the implications are if this algorithm uh, changes how we look up such and such? Anyway, uh, I'm way above my skis on that one. Um, uh, the last thing I kind of want to talk about, and I don't know about you, Kyle, but the NBA Combine. Didn't give us tons of insight at all with the Kentucky guys because the two guys we have the most questions about, EJ and Nick, didn't participate, weren't invited, and the three guys uh, that were invited didn't play, and their measurements, uh, nothing seemed to jump out at when I saw it. They all were what we kind of expected. Tyler's Hero's wingspan got some pub, uh, but if we, you know, we we were had the idea that it was a negative one. Um, so there wasn't much of anything that I that you really gained from almost that whole experience from a Kentucky standpoint. I guess we are what ten days away from learning the final fate of EJ and Nick when that deadline comes. So we're getting close to that. Um, but uh, this this will roll over into the next segment. I'll just pose this question, then I'll a- answer it after the break, so Kyle has time to think. I was watching ESPN or ESPN two. And P.J. Washington was doing a little ESPN interview, and they asked him the typical question of, what's the toughest question you got asked during your interviews? That's kind of been like a a common theme once we found out about how ridiculous some of the NFL Combine questions are. And P.J. actually had a good answer, and it wasn't one you expected. He was asked by an NBA team who would be better in five years, Keldon Johnson or Tyler Hero. That's a pretty good question, Kyle. Yeah, yeah. I, uh, you said, we, are we waiting till after the break? We will answer that. I don't do a very good Ryan Seacrest impression. Right after this. You are Locked On Kentucky, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. So who you got, Kyle? Hero or Johnson? Uh, uh, Tyler Hero. Dang it, I wanted to disagree with you, but I can't. I just I I just think the NBA values shot makers, and I think he'll be that um, T Rex wingspan or not. Uh, it, it's tough though because it, uh, there's so much depends on like what is a like fully mature Kelvin Johnson look yeah. like. I don't know, you know, like like I I still think he has enormous potential. Um. I was a little surprised all year that Kelvin wasn't a better defender or a more consistent defender. Yeah. Um, you know, those are things that like, if he decides I'm going to do this, that that swings the pendulum in his favor. But from what I've seen so far, based on what we saw all year, 
I think, to, and and what the NBA wants, I think Tyler Hero probably is the better pro. Yeah, the thing that was odd about Keldon Johnson is if you go through like his shooting stats and some of those things that there was potential that you thought he might struggle with going into the season. If you would have been like, Keldon Johnson made this many threes and thought shot this percentage, you would have been like, well, dang, he's probably like a top 10 pick because we all anticipated his defense um, and kind of defensive awareness would would be really good. And that would be where he is. He would kind of make his bones, but it kind of flipped on his head. Uh, and his offense beginning of the season, you know, we talked about this a ton. Well, that was his strength and he was scoring as much as anybody else on the team. And the defense lagged. I mean... Yeah, there were multiple points this season, Kyle, when Kenny Payne and John Calipari. Kenny Payne's a little bit more, you know, decisive with his words. Kenny, uh, John Calipari tries to be, I don't know, talking riddles, but Kenny Payne made it obviously clear that Keldon Johnson got lost a bunch, and if that can improve, maybe then he is kind of a complete player. But that's that's tough to kind of project in certain instances. Yeah, I mean, he was was definitely the weak link multiple times defensively uh you know as the year went on and other guys bought in on defense it was like a lot of times it was four on five out there and Keldon was the guy who didn't know what he was doing so mm-hmm. you know he's he's got to clean that up <laughs> obviously yeah. and uh yeah like I said I, I just I'll take the bucket getter over anything else unless it's just a, like a suffocating lockdown you know difference making defender I'll take the guy who gets buckets. Um, Speaking of getting things, Penny Hardaway has gotten all the elite recruits most recently. Uh, This weekend, he got a commitment from Precious Achua. God bless you. Um, He goes with, obviously, James Wiseman and a a bunch of Memphis dudes, including former Kentucky commit uh, DJ Jeffries. But don't fear... Don't feel too bad, Kentucky fans, because Memphis also got a Duke decommit <laughs> uh, in Boogie Ellis. I think w- when I saw it last, Kyle, they now have the number one recruiting class in the country. Uh, that could potentially change with a James Wiseman or a Jaden McDaniel's a decision. Um, and no, just so we clear that up, we don't have any updates on Jaden McDaniel's tonight, guys. Um, but Kyle, there's been a ton of like. I don't know, odd hate towards Memphis with getting these guys. And it's almost, I was on the radio earlier Sunday morning and some guy called in. I don't think they're going to make the NCAA tournament. I got to <laughs> believe it when I, I'll believe it when I see it. Penny's only a high school coach. It's like, this is, yeah. this is almost too much talent to miss. Yeah. They're, I think they're too loaded to at least not make the, you know, NCAA tournament. I don't, I don't see them being an NIT team. Um, it's pretty remarkable though. They've certainly branched well beyond guys Penny coached or knew through AAU or high school ball, uh, way beyond that. Now, um, James Wiseman and G- DJ Jeffries were guys that they rounded up Malcolm Dandridge, uh, Damian ball. They had, they got four guys from that Memphis area, but they've since, you know, the role they've been on lately, Boogie Ellis was the Duke commit. Uh, he's from California, uh, Lester Quiones. Uh, or Quinones. It's uh, I think you said it right the first time, uh, and I really, um, I really hope from, Bill Rafferty calls a game where he hits a couple big shots. <laughs> yes, look at those Quinones. <laughs> uh, he's from Dakari Johnson. He's from Florida. Precious Anch- Anchua is at Montverde Academy. I don't know where he's 
like where his actual hometown is. Um, but so that, you know, it's not just Memphis guys now. So they've got seven, they've moved past Kentucky in part because of just sheer numbers. They have seven high school players committed plus Rajon Tucker, the plug and play grad transfer who averaged like 20 a game last season. Or was he at Lafayette or I thought he was at Arkansas Little Rock. Oh, oh that's right. Arkansas Little Rock. Um, six, five shooting guard who averaged 20 a game in college basketball is grad transferring if he doesn't stay in the NBA draft. Uh, and if he does go in the NBA draft, then apparently they have a really good shot still at getting R.J. Hampton, a top 10 player, which would put this as one of the most loaded recruiting classes in history. As it stands, they have James Wiseman, the number one overall player. They have uh, Precious, who's number 14. They have uh, Boogie Ellis, who's number 37. D.J. Jeffries, 48. Lester Keones. 56, Malcolm Dandridge, 98, and Damian Ball, 108. So all seven of their commits are basically top 100 guys, plus the grad transfer. So they would have eight new faces <laughs> and seven top 100 freshmen coming in with two five-stars. I mean, that's, that's a lot. That is a lot. I mean, that that's also, like, if your whole team, basically there's, I guess, a good chance that Memphis would start five freshmen next year if Tucker's not there. Uh, you know, and only two teams have ever gone to the Final Four with five starting freshmen, Michigan, the Fab Five, and Kentucky in 2014. Uh, it's a hard thing to do, no matter how much talent is there. So, um, yeah, I, I get people being a little doubtful, and I think some of that is just people being bitter and, saying, well, how's he doing this? And, you know, year two, year two, and he's already, you know, I saw somebody everybody on the recruiting trail. And I don't, I don't know. I can't recall the guy's name, but he tweeted out and hopefully Kyle, you laugh at this. Like I did. I scoffed at it. He said this, this uh, Memphis basketball recruiting class reminds me of 2013 Ole Miss football. Yeah. I mean, it's yeah, but he, Not totally dissimilar. Wait, I mean, you I, know I what, Kyle? You know what the implications of that tweet were. Well, yeah, and I'm saying it's not totally dissimilar in the where is this coming from? Out of nowhere, this program doesn't get players like this, and now they do. What are you from talking all over the country? But I, but I also like there's the difference is Penny has like Penny and his staff have like a reason to be luring these top players like. Four of them he had connections to, direct connections to. They played for him in Memphis, uh, in the Memphis area. And then the rest of them, it's, you know, he's a NBA, multiple NBA all-star. Yes. He's got another two other former NBA players on his staff and a former NBA coach of the year, I believe. Yes. Is one of his assistants, Sam Gilbert. Mitchell. I mean, uh, yeah, Gilbert. <laughs> Sam Mitchell. Uh, if they – like if they're if they're selling the NBA thing, which is what other schools that recruit like this are selling, they've got a pretty good leg to stand on. Uh, so, so yeah, I mean, I think that's silly, but I also, I mean, I understand what the the simil the the biggest similarity is. You go zero to one hundred in you know two seconds from getting no one to getting everyone. I still think it's lazy. And just lame. 
If you want to throw out allegations, have something behind them. If you want to get retweets and likes on social media, that's what you're going to do. That guy, that guy's a dork, whoever he is. I forgot his name already because he's not worth remembering. Uh, the other thing I'll say is, as you kind of laid out there, Penny has a lot going for him. Uh, you know, his, I mean, his brand is one of the more recognizable uh, basketball brands ever. Uh, you know, he had Little Penny and all those things. Hugh Freeze, uh, on the other hand, you know, Little Hugh didn't get famous until after the allegations came out. Here, here's the only thing I would counter with. I'm not making any ac- accusations, but here's one, one, one minor red flag. Two or three of these guys they've ended up getting are guys that were headed to LSU before all of Will Wade's trouble, by all accounts. So, I, you know, if you're swimming in the same pool as LSU, uh, recruiting some of these guys. You have to at least raise half an eyebrow. Well, those guys have to go somewhere. They do. They certainly do. All right, that's going to do it for this edition of Locked on Kentucky. Uh, Follow Kyle Tucker on social. At Kyle Tucker underscore A-T-H. Read his work at The Athletic. Follow me at Curtis Birch, B-U-R-C-H. Hear me weeknight 6 to 8 p.m. on Big Blue Insider, Sunday mornings 9 to noon on Sunday Morning Sports Talk, both on WLAP. Thanks again to Burt's Sheet Metal for sponsoring this edition of the show. If you're interested in sponsoring, shoot us an email, LockedOnKentucky at gmail.com. Thanks so much for listening, guys. Uh, Please rate, please review, please subscribe. All those really help. And most importantly, please share it with somebody else who would enjoy this podcast. Thanks so much. We'll talk to you soon. are Locked On Kentucky, available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or tell Alexa or Google to play podcasts Locked On. Don't worry, I won't finish. You get the idea. Hello. There you are. For some reason, it wouldn't connect. I don't know who to blame for that. The interwebs. It sounds correct. What are we going to talk about? Well...